So, I'm your mute. Okay, fine. Thank you. Right. Is that okay now? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'll have to keep track of that. Right. Fine. Uh, so we're talking about the idea that uh, you have this question of uh, who owns the land, the land hands changing, right? There's a slow shift from feudalism to what would be later called capitalism, right? Yeah, so that's when we talk about, uh, yeah, somebody says, wait for two more minutes. So should I wait for two more minutes? Right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyhow, I'm just repeating uh, what we did last time. Right? So I don't think the people who join late will have a problem. Right? Yeah. So uh, uh, the question is, there is a, a huge kind of a change which takes place. And this change takes place, begins to happen in the time of Chaucer. Right? And when you write a history book, you try to collapse all these things together as if it happened in one chapter, which would be one chapter of a book, right? And I think as English students, we have to be aware of this, right? We have to be aware that when we're talking about time, the time of a history book and the time uh, that it actually takes on the ground is something that is not comparable at all okay i think we remember all our wonderful discussions about epics whether they are uh, yeah yes i will read from page number 23 but we have, we have, we have got to, to stress this point that the time which is there in the history book right we sit down and read a chapter very quickly right and the question is these things actually take a lot of time to actually change, right? And uh, these are very slow changes because we're talking about social developments, political developments, right? And when we talk about political developments, uh, what we have actually is one period of time which stands out, right? Yeah, and as Trevelyan says, or any historian would tell you, that uh, political changes are already happening for a long time, right? Yeah, we're talking about the rise of the BJP, right? Yeah, which uh, is a party that for is formed in 1980, right? Now, before the party was formed, there were all these kind of movements which were happening, right? Yeah, so you have a lot of discussion and debate which is going on at smaller levels, which is not even seen on the surface, right? So that's something that is important to think about when you're talking about a social movement and a political movement, right? And we're talking some about something called capitalism, which is a movement that happens all over the world, right? And how does this happen? Okay, does somebody come up with the idea like we have in India, we've taken a, uh, uh, Carl Schmitt's idea of neoliberalism and just used it over here in India, where it doesn't really emerge from here, right? Of course, Chidambaram and Manmohan Singh are the ones who've gotten the neoliberal ideas, right? And now, of course, uh, uh, the present government is taking into fifth gear, right? Which, uh, yes, 
the class has started we are talking about the class right yeah okay now what are we talking about we are talking about slow changes which are taking place right i remember before mrs gandhi died and before 1980 when i was not aware of political uh, or political science in the way i am now right uh i was in a, a math student and just out of the 12th standard right not even completed the 12th standard right uh i was talking to some an old lady right who was a teacher at one point of time right and we were discussing the system and we talked about bernard shaw and we talked about fabian socialism and we talked about socialism and all those kind of things and i said well if you talk about india india is not a socialist country at all right yeah and that's with my basic knowledge or school knowledge of economics and socialism right and i actually said well we are actually capitalist but we pretend to be socialist right yeah and that's still there okay now they want to remove the word socialist from the constitution right and they might be successful in doing so right but then the minute you do that then you have to also expect the kind of wars that you have in england where you have the peasant uprisings right where the the really bloody uprisings and you have a lot of revolutions as you have uh, of course christopher hill is talking about other kinds of revolutions that is religious uh, changes which is taking place at a little later stage or maybe about 300 400 years after the age that we are talking about right okay uh, yeah you said 23 onwards yeah i actually jumped 24 right yeah but uh, we talk about that right now uh, yeah some lords relied on the compulsory labor of the serfs to cultivate the home farm but the deceased number and the increased recalcitrance of the villagers from whom such services were due clogged the wheels of the old system often when the bailiff pressed the villager to perform his field work he fled to a better to better himself on the other side of the forest where every town and every village was no so short of labor after the black death that high wages were given to immigrants and no questions asked as to where they came a serf bound to the soil of a manor by law might detach himself in physical reality uh, unless indeed he was encumbered by a wife and children whose migration was more difficult such flights of single villagers usually the young and energetic men left on the lord's land the holding in the open field that the fugitive had deserted and often there was no one willing to take it except for a low money rent right we did this but let's revise it right and if we talk about india today we're talking about what happens with the migrant laborers right first of all they don't count that's the official government kind of thing that's going around otherwise they were taken note of them before the lockdown and see that they're safely kept to their places before they got infected with the virus right no of course we know that the virus is spreading rapidly because all these safeguards were not taken right but that's not what i'm talking about what's interesting is a lot of these people who have gone home right and after we have had unlock 3 or whatever that is 
right? They've been given plane flights to come back to work, right? Now that's a shift, okay? And a historic shift in our own country, right? And that's exactly what's happening in England, right? Now these people who were not paid and they were bonded laborers, right? And kept working without questioning whom they were, right? The most important thing is, are we questioning people and when we talk about human beings as art students, we're talking about asking questions, right? Yeah? Of course, in the 20th century, we have a very important thinker who suffered very badly at the hands of the fascist dictator Mussolini in Italian jails, right? And he's an Italian teacher of literature called Gramsci, uh, uh, right? Yeah? So he's talking about every man or every human being, man is a bad translation, right? Every human being being uh, having an ideology, thinking and being a philosopher, right? Yeah, and he's talking about what you call the organic intellectual, which is not the kind of people like us who have gone through school, college, university, etc. But we're talking about the farm worker, the laborer, right? and their idea of thinking, right? And of course, in India, it's attributed that it's almost an assumption that these people don't think, right? Of course, the government thinks that nobody thinks, right? So the government is the only thinking agent, which is problematic because we're talking about human beings and human beings are thinking animals, right? Or that's the, the, the rational animal, the social animal, the political animal, and the thinking animal, right? And that's exactly where governments have a problem. It might be easier to uh, run a cattle ranch or a dog, uh, a dog breeding club or something of the sort, and a lot of the politicians actually think they're doing that, right? Yeah, and when the people get up, right, and fight for what they believe is right, and trying to change that, then the politicians say, well, this is political, right? I remember some of my own students saying that when the migrants uh, had to go home and they suddenly started walking home and they died on the train tracks, they died of exhaustion uh, and also the other reason and there's a, a girl who cycled some thousand kilometers and all, right, to take her father home, right? All these things happen and you certainly read all these things in the newspapers and uh, on different sites, right? Yeah. Then you suddenly begin to say, well, this is political, right? Yeah. So, uh, it's already political before. We already know that it's political before. And every transaction is political, right? Yeah. And it's only when people start asking for the rights, whether it's Dalits or women or black people or whatever that is, right? People who are oppressed for a long time, they suddenly get up and ask for their rights. Then you say, well, there's politics, but we've always had politics otherwise, and we've been the ones who are enjoying ourselves, right? So then it's not politics, but when some, okay, and that's the kind of edge we sit on, right? Uh, it's actually when people ask, so you talk about women's politics, right? The, the minute the feminists come up and they say, what's the problem? Everybody's equal, right? Yeah, and this is the way it is, right? And then women come up and they start fighting for their rights, right? And then you suddenly realize that a male chauvinist world hasn't cared for women. Or the gays fight for their rights, 
then you begin to say, well, we, we've not taken note of that, right? I like to go to Shakespeare because there's an interesting movie by a Russian uh, film director called Kosinov, right? And that's uh, Kor Lear, right? King Lear in Russian, right? I don't know Russian, so I'm sorry if I've mispronounced it. You can see the movie, it's got a dubbed, uh, the dubbing is terrible because it's actually from the English text of Shakespeare. The, the, uh, the script is, the, the visual script is something else, right? Uh, yeah, so you can look at it. Right, now I've talked about Kosinev because his movie is based on one line that Lear says, right? And in the, in the play and in the movie, right yeah the idea is the poor right and Leah says the poor I've never looked at things from their perspective now this is Shakespeare right before Marx before capitalism before all those kind of things that we're talking about right yeah so when uh, Leah is saying poor right and looking from the perspective of the poor right that's a very, very political statement that is being made, right? Yeah, and I think that's brilliant. And Kosinev bases the whole production of King Lear on uh, this statement by uh, Lear in the play, right? Now, what's even more interesting is that when he looks for an actor, right, uh, he opens it up to people who come and uh, Come in for interviews, right? Yeah, and he gives the role to a man who is only come there because he needs to eat some food, right? And he's a poor man, right? So he's come there because he thinks that at least I get a, a meal to eat or a few meals to eat, and that's why I'm going to come here, right? And that's the the person who becomes the uh, person who plays the Leo, right? And he's not a uh, uh, person who speaks standard Russian or anything of the sort, he is a person who speaks some kind of dialect which is, uh, and the man is Andalusian, right? Yeah, I think he comes from Georgia and Andalusian and all those kind of things, right? So he's actually going out of his way to do that, right? And the other thing that when you see the movie, uh, and I've got it on my hard drive somewhere, so if and when the lockdown is over, we can maybe have a look at it, right? Because it's a lovely movie to look at. Right? He looks around for the credits. You know what the credits are, the names of the author, uh, the actors and all those kind of things. Right? When he's looking for the credits, right, you find that uh, you have a lot of very nicely painted things normally for credits. Right? But here he looks for something which is gunny sack. Right? Which we swap the floors or used to swap the floors in the past. Right? The gunny sack which you fill your grains in and all that kind of thing. Yeah? He, that's called motley, right? He takes the motley and he uses it with a lot of patches and frayed kind of motley. He puts that as a backdrop for the credits, right? So you have some very interesting things and we're talking about it being political, right? Yeah, so when we talk about the poor, the poor are always there, right? And we're always having a good time because we don't see them, right? Or we don't think that they have the problems, that they have the problems. Right? Yeah, the same with women, right? It's an assumption that, well, women are happy and all that kind of thing. And women that don't have a voice to come up and speak. The gays, the women, 
right? Uh, the oppressed, the Dalits in India, right? All those kind of the black people in Africa, uh, in America, not in Africa, but in America, right? Uh, the United States of America. So all these marginalized people are what Leah is talking about. And the question over here in the text is, what happens to these people who you talk, thought they're very happy. They're my serfs. My serfs, I own them, right? So my serfs are what is important, right? Yeah, and many people also, of course, it, it gives me real uh, kind of uncomfortable uh, feeling under the skin when they say, our women, right? Yeah, I remember a professor who was one of the heads of our department a long time ago, right? When we were having a discussion with somebody in Bangladesh, right? He says, our women are different from your women. I said, what? How can you talk like that, right? Yeah, do you own the women, right? Yeah, and that is exactly the, the idea that we're talking about. And this is when we have our slaves, right? Yeah, our serfs, right? And all those kind of things, right? And of course, if you see uh, this documentary called uh, Final Solution, right? Which is about 2002 and the riots in 2002, uh, you get one of the, the leaders, the BJP leaders, who say, we want our Muslims. How are they our Muslims, right? Okay, that, that almost makes you laugh, and you begin to wonder who owns whom, right? And do you own anybody? And we're still in this feudal mindset where I own people, right? So, uh, sorry, I'm a language uh, uh, person also, and when we study literature, language becomes important, and we have to talk about language. So whether it's the language of Leah, we're talking about this political kind of change which is taking place, right? And the political kind of change is talking about the serfs or the villains and the lord, right? And this is thought about as a very comfortable kind of thing, right? Till it's disturbed, right? And that happens all over the world, right? Before the Russian Revolution, you have Chekhov in the cherry orchard talking about this idea of uh, the lords and uh, the landed gentry, right, having to sell off their land, right? So you have the cherry orchard, and the cherry orchard is supposed to be a very, very beautiful kind of orchard, right? But for economic reasons, right, to survive, they have to sell the cherry orchard off. And, you have to, and one of the, the, the children marries a businessman, right, and that's something that actually uh, is a big change that takes place, right? So the businessman looks at the cherry orchard, not as a beautiful estate, not as uh, uh, very fanciful, right? But it looks at the cherry orchard as a kind of uh, uh, utility, a resource, right? And that's exactly what happens, right? Okay, now uh, we talked last time about what happens and we talked about Ambedkar and Gandhi because we're talking about the idea of uh, the caste system also, just like the lord and the master, right? Uh, the caste system being this kind of uh, dedication and loyalty and uh, all that kind of thing which we think is operating, right? Yeah, and that, and of course, by and large, it's still true. After 70 years of independence, uh, the Dalits haven't caught up, right? And that's why we have this famous case, and please look it up on the internet, 
which is called the Bhima Koregao case or whatever that is, right, where we had some people of the Maha Regiment during the time of the Peshwas joining the British and fighting against the Peshwa, right? And of course, our government doesn't like that and all the people associated with that are uh, behind bars today, right? Or even that if they're not associated, they are behind bars and they're given a horrible name called the Urban Axel, which uh, actually means anybody who cares for the poor, right? So, well, Leah was put in prison, so I think anybody else can, right? Okay, uh, so the question of course is, when did this kind of comfortable relationship break, right? And it's not comfortable anymore for the rich lord who had a nice comfortable life, right? Or their families, right? But then the question is, we're talking about human agency, right? And when we're talking about human agency, no matter how oppressive a government is, right? Take the most kind of uh, totalitarian, dictatorial, fascist, whatever, Marxist governments which have already operated, right? When you have all that, there's something about human beings which chooses freedom, right? And that's what you get again and again and again and again. Whether it's women choosing freedom or gays choosing freedom or black people choosing freedom, right? The question of human beings is important and that's why as literature students and as art students, we have to relocate the human being, especially when we have a digital world, okay, and thinking that the human being can be eradicated and you can have only digital platforms and you can have more exploitation through the digital world, right? So the question of course is what happens when we're talking about the actual changes that take place, right? Who are the people who suffer? The rich people suffer, right? And of course, you feel that's very sad, right? That's a very romantic kind of way and you've seen a lot of movies, right? And many people feel very sad when there is a social uprising, right? Because the people who take away uh, what was once the, the uh, something that was important to the upper class of people, right? Okay, is something that is actually disturbing what you call the status quo, right? Yeah, so this is what is happening. And when all these things happening happen, it actually means that, and it's to be celebrated, whether we talk about the people who rise up against the, the occupation in Kashmir or in Hong Kong or anywhere else in the world, right? Uh, even Palestine, right? The question is, the human urge for freedom becomes important, right? Yeah, we celebrated uh, Independence Day a few days ago, right? Though our freedoms are being curtailed uh, every day, right? Including the surveillance mechanism that operates in the digital world, right? Now, whether people are going to protest or not going to protest, it's only a question of time, which will tell, right? But the history of humanity and the history of England and the history of our own country is how people protest, right? Yeah, so we have to look at the historical factors, right? And we can't be uh, ignorant of them or think that we can just give a mythical story instead of a historical story because hist history is full of stories about how people who are oppressed get up, right? Yeah, and you can look at 
any kind of history, right? Of course, in the, in the European world, we have people like Spartacus, whether it's myth or history, we don't know, right? Yeah, many people like to think of it as a myth, right? Uh, a legend or a myth or any of that kind of thing. But the question is that there was some kind of a slave uprising and whether it was Spartacus or not Spartacus, that's a different story, right? So that's how a legend or a myth is created, right? And that lives on and that's uh, important, okay? And you have the same, and I'm deliberately doing this because we are literature students and we have to talk about the Greek or Roman world and the Judeo-Christian world, right? So what I talked about is the idea of Spartacus, right? Yeah, and that's got something to do with the, uh, the Greek or Roman world and the other world which is important is the Judeo-Christian world, right? And that's uh, this idea of a, this place which is still in a lot of trouble for more than 3,000 years and that's called Palestine, right? Yeah, and of course, we over there too, we have the idea of a man called Moses, okay? Whether that was his real name or not, uh, I don't know, right? Because uh, that's not even important. The idea is, yeah, so some people say that he might have been Marche, right? That is, from the marshes, right? That's where he was found. And there are a lot of parallel stories uh, of people being put in baskets in different kinds of myths all over the world. So we might look at it from a mythical point of view and say that this is a big myth of the man called Moses, right? But the more important thing is that there was a kind of a slave uprising, right? And out of the slave uprising, you get a one-week holiday, right? Which is called the Sabbath, according to the Jews, right? And uh, that's the kind of tradition that the Christians also follow, right? The idea is the people need a one-day break, right? Which is not thought about or was not thought about, especially for the slaves, right? Now, even in slavery, the point is, even in slavery, you can have uprisings, okay? And you can have slave uprisings, okay? And it's not that everybody cowed down in Nazi Germany. Uh, there are accounts, you can read Philip Mueller and I'm sorry, I've forgotten the other person who I read, right? Who's talking about an actress who was, was going to die in a concentration camp in, uh, in Germany, right? And she stood up and they, of course, stripped everybody and all the, the, the vulgar, uh, of course, Hitler had a law that if you had sex with a Jew, right, you would also be put to death, right? So that's where some amount of the, the rapes, etc., were curtailed, perhaps, right? Yeah, but these people uh, strip all, the, all the, the soldiers before they cast them and this woman did something very interesting, okay? She knew that she was going to die, right? But she didn't give up the last bit, right? She took a revolver from one of the Gestapo's and she started firing, right? And uh, they had to run around, okay? So the question is, uh, even uh, there, you have a lot of people getting up against the realm and saying this is wrong, right? So that's something that is interesting and how people do it is interesting, right? Now here these people say that, well, we just run away, right? And all the young people change the world, right? Yeah, like all the young people whose websites have been blocked in our country because of the EIA and protesting against the Environmental Act by the government, right? Yeah, so the idea is, how do you how do you change, 
right? And change comes in from the agency of the young, right? It's not that the old don't also play a part, right? Yeah, but it's young people or young-minded people, let's put it that way, who actually change the world, right? Uh, so that's something else that happens and that's what they're trying to say over here, right? And of course, uh, Trivillian is being quite practically saying, what happens if you have a family, then you can't migrate, right? And that's something that we understand, right? But when oppression becomes bad enough, right, then people would migrate even with their families, right? Yeah, and uh, that kind of thing we've already seen in India. This is perhaps as bad or worse than uh, the, the partition of India when we're talking about the migrant workers, right? So uh, I don't know if anybody, we don't know the statistics. And of course, many people have done a lot of work, including some of our old students from the English department who are working in newspapers. Um, one of them written an article in the Express when this man died here very close to Baroda. And I called her up and I said, well, I like your article and uh, you've taken uh, the trouble to do all this. And she said, well, the situation is really terrible, right? I'm, I'm working on it and I'm seeing what's going on, right? Yeah, so when oppression becomes so terrible, right, nobody can stop things changing and uh, you get people to stand up for it, right? Uh, that's not my story, that's the history of the world, right? More and more, therefore, as Chaucer was growing to manhood, the lords abandoned their attempt to cultivate the immense land by the old method and consented to commute field services for cash. Since there was no coin for head of the reduced population, it was easier for the serf to save or borrow enough shillings to buy his freedom and to pay money. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, money rent for his farms, and many of the peasants kept sheep by the sale of whose wool they obtained coin to buy their freedom, right? So we talked about England being a wool-producing uh, country, right? And that's how we look at it even today, right? Uh, of course, when we talk about England, what is England to sell? Uh, of course, I've been very facetious, and I like to have a joke about that. Okay, what is England to sell? Language and culture today, right? But actually, uh, when we talk about Adam Smith, the wealth of nations, He's talking about what is a basic kind of wealth production in a country and it's called wool manufacturing, right? So that's something which is still a very important part of uh, England even today, right? So uh, we're talking about uh, the idea of buying freedom. So freedom could be bought, right? Okay, and we're talking about pre-democratic worlds, right? where even in a democratic world, so the so-called democracies that we have, freedoms are curtailed by brute force, by militaries, by surveillance cameras, right? By uh, all these uh, digital media, and digital platforms, right? So we're talking about how do we fight and how do we try to choose freedom, right? So that's something for us to think about. And we're talking about an old, old time before there was electricity, before there were even carts and carriages, right? Here we're talking about England at that point of time where people, the mode of transport to a little distant place, right, was by horseback and by donkey back, right? So in other parts of the world, it was buffalo back, cow, uh, bullock back, right? All those other things. 
dogs, right? And the dog cart and all those kind of things come in. Uh, with the money received in lieu of field service, the lords could offer wages to free laborers, right? But now people paid money for freedom, right? And that's still something that we would bother about. And I think I must talk about one of my classes uh, some years ago when I was talking about uh, Frederick Douglass, right? And that was prescribed text. Uh, so, so it was an autobiography of how Frederick Douglass gets freedom, right? And he starts working on a dock, right? And actually he starts collecting money of the work, right? And a student asks a question, and a very, very interesting question. He says, but was this honest, right? He didn't give all the money to the Lord, right? Now if he gave the money to the Lord, that would mean he accepted slavery. Right? He would accept that you own me, right? And I'm not a human being, and I'm not a free human being. You and your system of slavery have made me this, but I can choose not to be that, right? So that aspect of choice is something important, right? And the aspect of choice, uh, though we didn't have, uh, technically, we didn't have existential philosophy at that point of time, but the question is, what happens to agencies of people? Right? And the word agency, I don't know if Trevelyan uh, even was aware of all these things. Right? Yeah? But today we talk about agency. Right? How all of us are agents of change. Right? And uh, this uh, person who's a modern uh, uh, French philosopher called uh, Foucault, Michel Foucault, right? He's talking about power being, uh, yeah? Sorry. Uh, agency being powerful, right? And we're talking about the power of, uh, so power being powerful in itself, or power, that's a tautology, right? Yeah, so the question is, what happens with a little change, right? And what happens with power, and what is the effect of power, right? If one person gets up and stands up against authority, right? Or a, a dictator, right? That's a supreme moment. Right? And that's how agency operates. Right? And of course, over here, then many people are getting up and standing against this position. Right? Who were the first? We don't know. Right? And the first is not given a title of leader and all that which we have in India. Right? But the question, or in the 20th century, right? Uh, that might be more correct, 20th century, 19th century. But the fact that one person was first is not ruled out. Right? And who gets this kind of idea to fight against this system, right? It's an oppressive system. Who gets a fight idea to fight against it, right? Like when you have uh, Fatima Sheikh and Savitri Bayafule in Pune who say that, well, we're going to educate women and they get shoes and chuckles because we're dealing with a male chauvinist world, right? Uh, and of course, it was lower caste women who were being educated, right? Uh, and even the upper caste women were part of the school because women were not allowed to be educated, right? So that's a great moment, right? That's a moment where somebody gets up and says, well, we choose freedom, right? Yeah, and that's exactly in different ways. Here is saying the same, right? We're talking about the lords, the feudal lords, where there was no questioning, right? About the women, okay, who were serfs. Okay, or the children of serfs, or the wives of serfs, right? And 
uh, sexual excess was permitted to them, right? With the laws, right? And they didn't have any problems about that, right? Of course, you have uh, this movie called Braveheart where actually that becomes a problem and people start questioning all that, right? Yeah? So when, and that's why uh, governments don't like people questioning, right? The governments don't like people to think. They don't like people who are educated, right? And we can look at our own government and the drumming down of universities and the systems of education from a long time. I'm not talking about only this government, but other governments have kept doing that, right? Because when you have educated people and you have thinking people and you have people who are questioning the system or taught to question the system, right? Then things are going to change. But what we see over here is, yeah, William Wallace, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe William Wallace didn't really exist. That's a legend, right? Yeah, uh, Bavia, I'm answering your question. Yeah, so William Wallace and Braveheart, maybe it didn't exist, right? Yeah, maybe that's a legend, right? But uh, we don't know about that because if you remember the name, the, the beginning or the autograph, uh, the, the epigraph of the movie, right? Which says, history is written by the victors, right? And that's of course, Trivillian 2 is subject to that, right? Yeah, who is actually uh, writing your history, right? So when we're talking about history from below, right? I'm sorry, I'm going back to history. Uh, and of course, I have to answer your question, right? Because we talk about history from below, right? So what about Dalit histories? What about slave histories, right? So when you look at the Bible, and this is an answer to you, and I'm giving you a literary answer, and of course, a lot of religious Christians and Jews, etc., might be very angry with what I say, right? But uh, that's the absolute truth from a literature point of view, right? You talk about the the Bible being a slave narrative, right? And the Bible is talking about how do we get freedom, right? And when I'm sorry, I uh, am diverting into American literature, and I actually wrote about something called Negro spirituals, right? So Negro spirituals are uh, songs that the slaves, the black American slaves sing, right? Yeah, and the question is, uh, my paper, if you want, you can have it because it's published already. Yeah, uh, it is actually talking about people who don't have a family. How do they imagine a family, right? They're, they're actually, this, the, the white people in the United States buy these people from West Africa and take them to the United States and make them slaves, right? Okay, so within a, a little bit of time, they lose their language, but they still have uh, lullabies and that's what they're trying to recreate a narrative, right? Yeah, uh, like you have Bama who writes Kurku and she's talking about the Faria community in the South and she becomes one of those people. Right? She's one of those people and she's talking about them being older than all the other civilizations which come up. Right? So you have a song or a legend which is saying that these were what it is and the other people have come here and taken us over. Right? And this is a Tamil, uh, a Tamil Dalit not, uh, autobiography which is the first in Tamil. Right? Uh, yeah, you can read it. It's, it's called Karku and Karku means a palmyra leaf. Right? And it's talking about it being serrated and all that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, so I won't get into all those details, right? But uh, the most important thing is um, we're talking about this idea of history 
and what histories do we have right the people who cannot read and write how do they write in the history right and this is a huge problem that we have because uh, as we become developed and development is a bad thing all around right it's called vikas and uh, we have all the stakes on that right uh, what is interesting about it is how much does it squash up how many languages does uh, it squash up right because you have this idea of standardization right and when standardization comes uh, uh, that's one but standardization after the print and after the print medium comes in right is more easy and printing and technology is a bigger tool for standardization right so what happens to me if i don't know how to read and write right what happens to my community and what happens to my history right and babia thank you for getting up that question because it's a critical question and a critical question about history right so did william wallace really exist well as a legend and a history and a counter history yes it is right yeah so uh, it's actually saying that we have this idea of it's actually saying something important that is it's telling you about human beings whether william wallace was real or the mahabharat and the ramayana were real right or the iliad and the odyssey were real and actually happened and all the people were actually human beings of flesh and blood i'm not bothered right yeah it's actually saying that uh it, it's actually saying that look what is interesting over here is human beings want freedom right and we're talking in this age of chaucer right where you actually see that people are choosing freedom without uh you don't have a political guru to take them through right yeah you don't have a martin luther king like in america or a gandhi over here in india or ambedkar or anybody of the sort right you don't have all those theoretical things right and these are things which are changing because the material uh, world is changing and people choose freedom right so one is we're talking about materiality that is owning land owning property owning money right and that's changing because of the plague because of all these other wars that take place in europe right and the minute people get a chance to be free they choose freedom right so uh, of course eric from writes a book called fear of freedom right the uh, and of course what uh, you might like to look at it right and that's an interesting text in itself right but the question is do you choose freedom or do you not or do you are you afraid of freedom right yeah and uh, our governments have continuously uh, kind of believed that we are afraid of freedom right and that's why the policies are anti freedom right though we have technically got freedom many years ago right yeah and what's happening now is even worse than what ever happened before because freedoms are being curtailed every day with this thing called the aadhar card and now they're going to have another card and another card and another card okay so we are going to be a surveillance society not an indian model a western model which is being used by our swine government to see that freedoms are curbed right and a lot of political science students would actually up in arms against the whole idea of surveillance right yeah the idea of the cctv camera is uh, an idea of unfreedom right and there have been no protest in our university but in other universities all over the country 
they protested against uh, CCTV cameras, right? So that's a question of uh, keeping people on the news, right? And keeping people always under surveillance, which is not a new thing, which comes up from the 19th century from a man called Bentham, right? Yeah, and you can read about it uh, in Foucault's uh, Discipline and Punish. He's talking about the panopticon and he's talking about how do you have surveillance machinery from uh, in a very structured kind of manner from uh, Bentham's idea of the panopticon, right? Yeah, so we're talking about, of course, it comes from uh, Christianity, okay, and it's a critique of Christianity, right? Where you have the eye of God put up and you have the triangle and you might have seen that uh, around in, uh, an, as an old symbol, right? This God is watching you everywhere all the time, right? And now you have when God is dead, as Nietzsche would say, right? Before that, of course, Bentham is coming up with the idea of the panopticon, right? Which you always uh, say, that, well, somebody's watching me, right? And of course, with the uh, modern technology, of uh, digital technology, you can have more surveillance for everybody, right? So you have a, a cell phone, right? Which actually is tracking you all the time and everybody's moving, looking at your movements, right? Uh, and we're almost reduced to all the animals which have radio collars or they have a radio chip which is put under their skin to be tracked anywhere, anytime by satellite uh, imaging, right? So. Uh, we're talking about freedom and we're talking about appearing to be free in a democracy and here we didn't have a democracy, right? We are having a feudal system which is slowly moving towards a capitalist system, right? And in this kind of system, how do people choose freedom, right? And that's, of course, enough to write a PhD on, right? And if somebody is interested, look at all the kinds of different texts that you're talking about and how we choose freedom right and or we don't choose freedom right with the money they received in lieu of field service the lord could find offer wages to free laborers but they could seldom offer enough because the price of labor was now so high many landlords therefore ceased to cultivate the demands themselves and let it on lease to a new class of yeoman farmer right these farmers often took over the, the lord's cattle on a stock and land lease. Sometimes they paid money rents, but often it was agreed that they should pay in kind, supplying the household of the manor with its food and drink. The Lord's family had always been fed from the produce of the home farm, and now that it was let, the old kindly connection was continued with mutual convenience on some manors in pastoral districts where the peasants grew rich by selling wool, the bondage tenants took a lease of the whole of the Lord's demands and divided it among themselves, right? Now you have here something which looks like the maintenance of the tradition, right? But on different terms, slight change, right? Which is not a slight change really, right? For the people who are involved in it, it's not a slight change, right? For the first generation, it's not a slight change, right? Where they give out their lands, they hire out their cattle, right? And what the, the the tenant farmer has to do is provide food to the Lord and uh, uh, the Lord's family, right? Yeah, which is not quite the same as what happened in the past, right? There is labor, 
this labor converted into money this labor is kind in the barter system right so some is used as barter some is used as coin and you can see that we are slowly moving to what you call a capitalist system right because in the capitalist system the whole idea of barter would be only through coins right so that's where trivialism is coming in and you you find over here that things are changing right in a number of different ways therefore new classes of substantial yeomen came into existence some of them farm the lords demands others the new lands lately enclosed uh enclosed yeah uh, from the waste others took over strips in the old open field some dealt in corn others in sheep and wool others in mixed husbandry okay so you have uh, something that is changing and when they take you over some people take bits and pieces of the land some people take only the sheep some people are corn farmers and you get this kind of a division which is taking place because uh, that's manageable for and the huge kind of properties and lands are cut up right yeah so that's a development which is taking place right and uh, this is a slow development which takes place right of course we as literature students have to think about what kind of songs do they sing what kind of stories did they tell each other what kind of stories did they tell their children right now we don't have all that right and that's why uh, your question about william wallace is important because what happens to the stories that they tell right and are the stories real or are they imagined or are they an expression of wanting freedom all these kind of things are important right yeah so uh, when we talk about the negro spirituals you'll find very sad songs right but you'll also have the negro spirituals which are inspired by the same bible right yeah which the christians and all the people who practice slavery in uh, america were christians right and they justified slavery using the bible which is terrible right but that's what they did right and of course they converted the slaves into christians right and the slaves that's where some of the benefits took place because they are interpreting the bible and you have a new beautiful new negro spiritual called godan moses right yeah so talking about godan moses way down in egypt land tell o pharaoh to let thy people go right yeah so they say well if you are the people of god we also people of god right yeah if you say that christ is god for you christ is god for us right and we are going back to yahweh in the old testament and moses i actually led the slave uprising right so he actually says we want freedom right and when we are talking about we want freedom we are talking about freedom for everybody because the bible tells us there's freedom right and that's the song right yeah so you can look at it on youtube maybe and you might like it right okay because it's a song about people without power totally without power who just singing a peasant song which is used to give you rhythm for work right so the you have the songs of people who are working in the fields you have songs of people who are working and machines right and how group and community singing can make the labor easier right but when you talk about the slave songs of the united states uh, when they get of course they marketed by a white man right uh, stephen foster right uh, yeah and you have the fritz school and all those kind of things which come up with a negro spiritual right uh, 
so that's you you're actually crediting people and their culture though they don't have access to their culture as free right the african culture right they're actually uh, coming up with all these songs and they're actually writing a history right now can you say uh, that that was not true that all the kinds of tortures that they were subject to were not true right then why would they come up with the song right yeah so all those things are there we do not know we don't have the numbers we don't have everybody's stories right and these are things which happen right and these are suppressed because of the people in power some people like frederick douglas manage to get educated and write a book right yeah and write many books and many autobiographies right and uh, that's something that happens right so whether somebody is smuggled out an autobiography or read a story or told people stories right and that's how a man called william wallace exists as a legend right or whether krishna is again a story like that or ram is a story like that these are things that literature people would uh, like to go into right so you might uh, that's a very very interesting thing and of course uh, yeah what you said is very important what you put up is very important that uh, yeah we like the movie we like the story okay and why do we like the story that's the next step right yeah and the step the movie is talking about freedom right but we also talking about art and technique and we like the art and technique right yeah so we might like the art and technique of the wasteland or yeats's poetry or any other kind of poetry but we might not like the ideology right i don't know how many women would like uh ts eliot's ideology the music of the poem is brilliant right yeah all those kind of things the techniques the crafts that is used the innovation the imagery all the modernist techniques all those things are brilliant right but do you like the ideology between the man uh the the man right do you have this kind of uh male chauvinist uh upper upper classist right uh kind uh, anglophilia right that's around in him right so all these questions are uh something that we have to ask right of course i will do a a lecture on uh, audio lecture right and send it around and i'll record this uh, i'm recording this lecture anyway i think we've almost come to the end right so yeah so we can we can go on for about 5 uh, minutes more right uh yeah so i hope i've answered your question right uh in a number of different ways there sorry where am i yeah uh yeah where am i yeah the increase in the in the numbers and prosperity set the tone uh, of the new england for centuries to come right now they're actually going back to say that this is important right now you don't have a rebellion where you go and kill the lords of right that kind of thing you're wait for the russian revolution right yeah uh you're wait for the french revolution you're wait for the russian revolution uh and of course uh when they had a conference some time ago in the french department and i don't know why they put me on a panel right uh they were talking about french and we were okay and i said well uh talking about french is two ways for me right because when i was a math student we talked about the french revolution right and the french revolution was a sad moment for us as mathematics students 
because a lot of people uh, got killed who are mathematicians in the French Revolution, right? Yeah, and when you come to uh, the arts, the French Revolution is a great, great thing, right? Because the French Revolution is, uh, of course, the American Revolution was before that, but the French Revolution is actually something which ch challenges the old order of things and with a lot of violence gets in a new order, right? So that's something that is important, right? And uh, uh, the understanding, of course, you begin to wonder how were these people who are great uh, people who produce such good mathematics, they were also killed, right? They were aristocrats and they were killed. And of course, when we talk about the Russian Revolution, right, it's even worse because you have the laborer class who actually gets into the uh, mode of killing, right? Yeah. And of course, uh, William Wallace is talking about standing up for Scotland. It's talking about standing up for nationalism, right? It's giving you that kind of a national tilt, right? Where, and this is about the time of Chaucer, and I'm very happy that he brought it up, right? It's in fact uh, before uh, the age of Chaucer, right? It's talking about the age of uh, Edward II's father. Right, and Edward II, and the understanding, of course, is that Edward II was gay, and William Wallace's son, or uh, the generation of William Wallace, actually later occupy the thrones of Scotland and England, and England actually, right? And uh, it's as if the child that is Edward the uh, uh, Edward the Third, yeah, that's the age of Chaucer, right? That's the person who's actually of Scots descent from a labourer class person, right? So I think, uh, yes, so that, that's all the implications of the movie, right? Whether that's true or not, I don't know, right? Maybe you can look it up and see how the legend operates, right? Yeah, but that's the implication that the movie version gives you, right? Yeah, and of course, when we studied Edward II, uh, we, were, we didn't know, first of all, the gay movement was not so open in India and we didn't know very much about it. Right? And I remember one of my classmates said, well, but how could he be gay? He had a child. Right? Now, the movie says, well, he had a child because uh, this whole idea of masculinity is something the movie takes up. Right? Because Wallace is a huge masculine man. And this is an old English, uh, it's an old literary stereotype. Right? Where you have, uh, yeah, and you get that in Shakespeare. Right? You get that... Uh, in Bulkaraj Anand Schooly, right? Uh, you get that all over the place, right? Even in The Grass is Singing by uh, whatever his name is, uh, African writer, yeah? Uh, you get that again and again, the whole idea of uh, the lower, the the muscle, and you get that in Hayavadana, right? Girish Karnath Hayavadana, right? You get this stereotype of the muscular man being fascinating to an upper class woman. Right? So that's uh, where the, the archetype is looked at. Right? I will make an iPod uh, for last week and uh, this week uh, a podcast, right? like the ones I'm doing, and send it out. Right? And uh, that, of course, I'll mark saying that we've not had a class on this. So I will do that and send it out. Right? Yeah. So I have to close up because this thing is only allowed to record for 60 minutes and it's already. Uh, just half minute more, right? So thank you very much for being there and please come again tomorrow. Come reading the text because more times you read the text, the better it is, right? Thank you.